welcome to Modern Anarchy, the podcast featuring real conversations with conscious objectors to the status quo. I'm your host, Nicole. On today's episode, Jamie shares her story behind starting the podcast, I'm Not Mentally Ill, But. Together we talk about being a bitch about our boundaries, the hindsight of 2020, and remembering that we are always doing our best with the skills and resources that we have at the time. First, I really want to thank Jamie for coming on to the podcast and sharing her story. I am in awe of her strength and resilience and the way that she is using her experience to better the world and connect with other people and to share her resources and wisdom. So thank you, Jamie, for all that you do. And I also want to make sure that all the listeners, all of y'all know, there is going to be a discussion of stalking, self-harm, domestic violence, and abuse. And so if those are hard topics for you, it's totally okay to just check in next week and take that self-care, take that space. So I wanted to say that up front. And we also have some very exciting news. We have our first Patreon letter. Woo! And it comes from Alyssa in Seattle, Washington. She writes, Dear Nicole, first, thank you for the time, love, and heart you share on this podcast. I've been a listener for the last year now and have grown so much in my relationships alongside with you. You provide such a compassionate, clear lens to the messy work of being human. Aw, Alyssa, that is so, so sweet of you to say. Thank you. She writes, My long-term partner and I had the conversation about our desire to open up our relationship about four months ago. We have been together for five years and have been through it all. The highs, the lows, and everything in between. I'm confident that this is a solid and true healthy love. However, we're struggling with moving past that initial conversation. We've talked about it briefly, but it feels like we're both stuck from moving to the next step. How do we actually make sure we're communicating well and on the same page? How do we go about pursuing polyamory and making it a reality? Signed, Ready Already. Ooh, y'all know that I am looking forward to answering this question. This is my tea. I am ready. We're going to talk about how to actually take the next steps of non-monogamy. How do you actually take that leap forward? So if you're curious how to open up your relationship, how to take that next step, then check out the Patreon link below where I will be posting the exclusive bonus episode for the month of April answering this question. And if you have a burning question about your relationships, sex, any of it, then also on the Patreon, you get the opportunity to write a letter and have me answer it just for you. So check out that link below. Let's keep rolling with today's episode. We have a lot to talk about. Y'all tune in. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. I think we are good to go. <laughs> 
Are we good to go, okay. Jamie? Okay. Yes. It looks like it's recording. I'm not getting any errors. So we will just go ahead. Okay. Cheers to that. Cheers well, to that. I know. Worst case scenario, I have the Zoom backup recording, so it's not too bad. But yeah, I'm glad we figured that out. Yes. Yeah. Well, hello. It's nice to meet you. Yeah. It's so nice to meet you. I'm excited to chat. Yeah, me too. You said you have a podcast. What is it on? Yeah. So um, my podcast is called I'm Not Mentally Ill, But. And basically what it does is it dives into mental illness from the people who are not themselves mentally ill, but they have somebody in their life who does suffer from a mental illness. Wow. Wow. So a little bit more of like an outsider perspective. Yeah, absolutely. Just kind of looking at mental illness from, you know, that outside perspective where we don't really hear about that too much. Mm, Yeah, 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 definitely. What made you start that? So I actually had somebody in my life who had bipolar disorder, and it was a very tumultuous and um, a lot of highs and a lot of lows. Um, He was only in my in my life for about a year. Um, It did end very poorly. Mm. Um, and after everything that went down with him, I was just kind of like, I can't be the only person who supported somebody with a mental illness. And so I was just kind of looking for resources or support or anything. And I wasn't really finding anything. So I was like, well, I, uh, I guess I'm going to start something then. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It was, it was interesting. Um, unfortunately it ended, he is in jail right now. Um, this did happen back in 2018. So it was a while ago. He ended up basically he wanted to be more than friends and I wasn't really on that level with him. And then he wasn't accepting that we needed to part ways. He broke into my apartment, assaulted me. And luckily I was able to escape, but yeah, that was kind of where this all came from. So I know my story being on the other side of mental illness is maybe a little bit more harsh than some other people's. But I also have met quite a few people who have gone through similar situations that I have. Wow. Okay. I feel like there's so much there that I would love to hear about, like all of the layers of what this process was for you, if you're willing to start even from the very beginning of wherever this journey starts for you. Yeah, absolutely. So this happened back in... 2017 to 2018. So I am originally from Minnesota, born and raised my whole life. And then I met a boy and he wanted to be in Border Patrol. So he got stationed in Yuma, Arizona. And I was just finishing up my master's program for counseling. And so we were moving down to Yuma together. Obviously, it didn't work out. But I was already in Arizona. I had already, I had always wanted to like move to another state. And so I was like, you know what? I'm already here. I've always wanted to do this. Like it was my first job out of my master's program. So I was like, whatever, I'm just going to make the best of it. Right. Right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So I ended up getting like my own place and all that. And, you know, I, from Minnesota, didn't know a soul in Arizona other than my ex-boyfriend. Obviously, I'm not going to hang out with my (laughs) ex-boyfriend. Right, right. Mm -hmm. So I had the brilliant idea that I was going to download a Tinder, you know, because why not? 
Right. And so I got on Tinder, obviously, and then I met this individual. I will not say his name, um, but we became really good friends um, and like instantly clicked. Like it was one of those where you are just like two peas in a pod, like known you forever. Yeah. Okay. You know, and so we started we started hanging out pretty quickly after, you know, I had been down there and had been on my own. And it was probably about, I would say, like, two to three months into us hanging out, Mm -hmm. he did end up telling me that he was diagnosed with bipolar disorder. Okay. And I, so, you know, I just had graduated with my master's in counseling, so obviously knew about the different disorders, but he did not portray what I thought bipolar was. So I thought for my schooling, bipolar was very high highs, very low lows, and just kind of like a a wave of the highs and a wave of the lows. So mania, depression. Right. And that just was not him. Like it was, it was kind of crazy. You wouldn't have known that he had a mental illness when he was not drinking, not doing drugs and on his medication and in therapy. Like he was a very charismatic, fun person, life of the party. Mm -hmm. But what I quickly realized is that fun life of the party a lot of the times is what the mania is. I was expecting mania as this going on crazy shopping sprees, like dropping everything and moving somewhere else. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it wasn't like that. It just came out as him being the life of the party. Super fun. Yeah. And he definitely had more more of the mania, I would say, than the depressive episodes. Okay. So as we were hanging out more, I just, I knew he had bipolar disorder, but I guess I wasn't really like, I don't know if taking it serious is the right word, but I wasn't really taking it serious because it wasn't what I had learned in school. Right, and right, so right. I was like... I was like, okay, well, he has a mental illness, but I'm not seeing yeah. anything until I did Oh see no, the oh, mental no. illness. Yeah. So it's one of those things. I think part of it too was like when you just get to know somebody, I do think you kind of sometimes are on like your best behavior. Whether you have a mental illness or not, I think sometimes people just like portray this certain, the good parts of them because, you know, you want to make friends, you want to be liked. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think that was kind of the beginning. And then as we got closer and he became more comfortable, it was almost like his, his true colors started to show a little bit. Yeah. And also when we had first met, like he wasn't drinking, he was a recovering drug addict. So like very on the straight and narrow when we first met going to therapy on his meds, like taking really good care of himself. And I think that played a lot into it as well. Interesting. But then definitely the first time that I noticed that, okay, yeah, he really does like have some struggles and have some demons is I had gone home for like a couple weeks or something. I think it was Christmas break. Sure. And I had come back and it was going to be New Year's. And so we were planning on going to San Diego with a couple of my other friends for like a New Year's trip. Sure. Yeah. And when I got back to Yuma, this was the first time I really saw like the depressive side of it. He was just very 
like down in the dumps, like completely different than I'd ever seen him. And in my mind, I was pretty much like, oh my gosh, like this trip will do you so good. We're going to be around friends. Like it's going to be a good atmosphere. And I wish I would have known better, I Mm. guess, because Mm. it wasn't. And he was kind of like, I don't know if I should go. And I was like, come on, like, it'll be so fun. Like, you know, just thinking this would really help him. Yeah. And so we get um we get to San Diego and the four of us all took one car out there and it's about like a three hour drive. Mm-hmm. And we get there and this was the first time he also had really drank around me. And so I would never really seen him drink and I knew that he wasn't drinking before, but I didn't I didn't know how slippery of the slope it was right, for him. Of course. How could you? Yeah. So he was drinking and he was just kind of being off. I don't know how mm. else to describe it. Like just kind of being a little like standoffish and skeptical, I guess I could say. Like there would be times in the car where I would like look over at him and he would kind of be like mean mugging me a little weird. bit and just like looking yeah. at me weird. And it was super weird. And we're with two other people. So, you know, I'm trying not to make like a thing of, of course, it. Of course, of course. Right. And trip. so the night is like, yeah, on a trip. <laughs> the night is like going on. And we're out at this little, like, speakeasy little bar. And all of a sudden, he's, like, nudging me under the table with his foot. And I was like, what's up? Yeah. And he was like, and then he just, like, came in close and whispered and was like, I know what you're doing. And I, (laughs) yeah. What does that mean? So out of nowhere, like I was so taken back. I was like, uh, having dinner and drinks. Like, I don't, what are you doing? Like, are you okay? (laughs) Like, what's happening? So he like nudges me again and is like, I know what you're doing and is getting like serious. And I'm like, what? Like, so, so confused. And then all of a sudden he like stands up and I have a purse on and it's over my body. And he literally like snatches my purse from me, but my body is attached to it. So he literally flings me to the floor and is literally standing on top of me trying to like basically rip my purse off of me. Finally, my purse breaks. (laughs) Yes. Finally, my purse breaks and he runs out of the bar and I'm, I'm very dumbfounded. Like I'm so confused. No idea what's going on and embarrassed, obviously. Yeah. Like very embarrassed. Oh my so god. So I like look at I look at my friend and her boyfriend and I was like like speechless. I was like, I don't I have no idea what that is. Yeah. So I so I leave the bar and then he's like walking down the street and I'm like calling his name. I'm like, what? Like come back here. Oh, he's he, yeah, so confused. He comes back and he's like again is like I know what you're doing. And I was like, What am I doing? Like I'm very confused. Like this is crazy to me. And he goes you're trying to get with your friend's boyfriend. Like, I see you guys making eyes at each other. Like, I saw you guys playing footsie under the table. And I'm like, what? Wow. Like, like it was, I don't even know how to explain it. It was so bizarre. Because, like, A, this is, like, my good friend in Yuma. B, never tried to go with her boyfriend. Like, everybody right. was talking. Like, there was nothing Normal. Yeah. going on. And, yeah. like, let me tell you, if 
I was flirting with my friend's boyfriend, like she would have beat my ass. Like, <laughs> sure. And you wouldn't do that, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I wouldn't do that anyways. But he was like, yeah, and you guys have been texting. And so that was why he like wanted my purse and ripped it off my body because he was convinced. Yeah. He was convinced that I was secretly texting my friend's boyfriend on top of all this. And I was like, um, no, I was like, you can literally look at my phone. Like, I don't even have his number. Oh my God. <laughs> and then he just like wouldn't drop it. He's like, you deleted the messages. I know what I saw. Yada, 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 yada. And so I finally get him to calm down and I go back into the bar and I was like, hey, guys, I'm like really sorry. I have no idea what that is. Please don't let this ruin your night. Like you guys, please go have fun. Like we'll just go back to the Airbnb. Literally so sorry. Yeah. Wow. Super so we get back to the Airbnb and then he proceeds to like keep drinking and he's just like working himself um, up and like won't won't let it go. And oh I'm just like, I, yeah, I'm like, I don't know what to tell you because yeah, it was it was weird. It was a very weird situation. So. Finally, he went to bed and all of that. And then in the morning, I was like, what the hell? <laughs> like, what the hell is going on? And mind you, this is night one. We're staying for a long weekend. Oh, no. And we have one car. So oh, God. Oh, God. This, yeah, this trip is still going to be happening. So he tells me in the morning that he had been off his medication for about two weeks at this point. He stopped taking it pretty much as soon as I left. He was drinking, so a combination of not being on his meds, oh my God. drinking, like, it just spiraled him, I guess. And so the next morning, like, he apologized to my friends. It was a weird trip. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Like, the whole trip yeah. was weird. But I was like, we're here. This is happening. So, again, I'm do. just trying to make, like, the best. Yeah. I'm trying to make the best of it. It was just a weird situation. Mm -hmm. So. That was really the first instance where I saw that like something's up and like something really severe is actually happening. Yeah. So we we go back, we get back to Yuma and I have like every intention of never talking to him again. Sure. Like every intention. Reasonable. But I I felt bad because I think it had to do part of with my like counseling where like I do mm. know the struggle. And so I feel like my heartstrings like pulled me back and he was just like, I'm really sorry. Like, I know I messed up. Like, I know I can't be drinking. I know I need to be on my meds. And the other part of me was like, you know what, when he is on his meds, when he's not drinking, when he's doing what he needs to do, like he's a very nice individual. Yeah. And so I, it was an internal struggle, but oh, I also, Jamie. I also, yeah, <laughs> I also felt like he was in a bad spot. And I was like, well, what kind of friend does this make me if I, like, abandon you when you're really struggling? <sighs> Believe me, I look back and, like, want to punch myself in the face. Oh. Just because, like, that's that's not even the worst of it. Like, that is the beginning wow. Wow. of the iceberg. Yeah. yeah. So after that, it, we were good again. Like, it was probably a few months later. And now we're at, so that was New Year's. Now we're at St. Patrick's Day. Okay. So and, and I had plans to go to a pub crawl with a few of my friends. Okay. And I wasn't going to have him come just because a pub crawl, drinking, like. Nope. Yeah. Nope. Nope. <laughs> yeah. 
And I was like, so I had all these plans. He knew he wasn't coming. He came over in the morning um, and he was like, will you not go to this pub crawl? And I was like, no, like I'm going to go. And he tried to like do this whole like, you know, it's a really hard holiday for me. Kind of basically giving me like a sob story of like why I shouldn't go. And I was like, I was like, I get it. I was like, but I've had these plans. Like, I'm not canceling at the last minute. Like, I'm right, I'm sorry, right, but right, like, right. I'm going to go. Yeah. And so he left and he wasn't like super happy, but I was like, you know, whatever. I got to do me. Right. Right. <laughs> got to do me. So the pub crawl was fine. Everything was good. And I should mention that me and this individual were really close friends that there would be times where like he would have a spare key of mine to like get in let my dogs out just sure sure you trusted him yeah yeah like full trust um and this was the first time that I highly regretted that he had a spare key to my apartment so the pub crawl ends it's probably midnight and I get home and I'm you know like taking my makeup off I go into my bathroom and on my mirror it says do you miss me yet? Question mark. In red lipstick. I, it will never leave my mind because it was, yes, I know. And I was looking at that like, what? I was like, do you miss me yet? What is going on? And then it like clicked in my brain. I was like, the only person that ever has a key is so-and-so. Yeah. And as I'm looking at it, trying to like figure out what is going on, I hear a knock at my door. So I go over to my door and I see that it's this individual and he's like, Hey, can I come in? Like, I definitely could tell that he had been drinking for sure. Oh no. And I was like, no, like this isn't a good time. I'm going to bed. And I, at the apartment I lived in, I didn't have like a deadbolt. I had nothing. So like if you unlocked my apartment from the outside, you could get in. Like there was no second lock or anything so I was like no like you need to leave I'm just gonna go to bed and then all of a sudden my door like flings open (gasps) he like rushes into my apartment is like screaming and yelling and like telling me I'm like a terrible friend like how could I do this to him like I abandoned him like literally going off he then proceeds to grab one of my like kitchen paring knives like it's not a paring knife if you're not sure. It's not a big knife. It's a little knife, but it's it's still a knife. It's a knife. And I'm like, um, whoa, like what what is going on? He's like walking towards me with it. But then he proceeds to stab himself in the leg. What? <laughs> Plot twist. Oh my god, what? <laughs> I wish I was making this stuff up, but I'm I'm literally not. Oh he stabs himself in the leg. Now I'm like completely forgetting about the fact that everything he just did, breaking into my apartment, writing on my wall, creepy note, and then just coming in. And now I'm like, holy shit, you just stabbed yourself in the leg. Like, I'm not a doctor. I don't know. Isn't there like a huge vein or something in your leg that can like, yeah, exactly. And I was like, holy shit. So then I'm trying to like bring him to the bathroom and he's freaking out like, oh my God, I can't believe I did this, blah, 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 blah. As we're going to the bathroom, oh no, he, he, oh my, yes, I know. 
He literally sometimes like would have medication at my house because, you know, he's been on medication forever. And I just like when he was with me, I like because of what happened, I wanted to make sure that he had medication. So he would leave his meds at my house. I never looked. I never counted the meds. I don't know how many were in there. As we're going to the bathroom, he decides to grab one of his pill bottles and chug it. (gasps) And so I don't know if there's one pill in there, two pills, 20 pills. I have no idea. So now he has a knife in his leg. He just swallowed a bunch of pills and he's literally bleeding all over my apartment. So I call 911 and I was like, yeah, because I mean, I was drinking. I'm not driving you like, yeah. Yeah. So I call 911. They come and they're like, what happened? I was like, honestly, I have no idea. He was pretty upset. He came into my apartment. I should have mentioned him like coming in unlawfully, but I guess that slipped my brain a little bit. Sure. And I was like, he stabbed himself in the leg. He took a bunch of pills. He does have bipolar disorder. Yeah. That's all I know. Yeah. And they were, and they were like, was he trying to hurt you? Again, hindsight is 2020. And I wish I would have been like, yes, like he was. So that could have been the end of it. So they finally like take him to the hospital and now I'm like looking at my apartment and at this point I lived in a one bedroom apartment. No. It's pretty small. Blood but everywhere. there's just like blood everywhere. And Ugh. I'm like <laughs> like I don't yeah. it was insane. So I'm literally cleaning up blood and then finally I like go to bed and in the morning I get a call and it's from the hospital and it's again this individual and he's just like, I'm so sorry, like blah, 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 blah. And I was like, oh my gosh, like you just need to get help at this point. Like you're in the hospital. I'm not going to like go into you. And he was like, they want to keep me for a 72 hour hold. And I was like, um, yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. Like a hundred percent you are staying for that. And he's yes. like, I don't want to. And I was like, I really don't, don't care. Yeah. You stabbed yourself in the leg in front of me and swallowed pills. Like that. That seems you're like danger you to yourself. Yeah. Yep. And I was like, so you need to do that. And he was like, okay, blah, blah, blah. I guess I'll stay. And he was like, will you pick me up when it's over? Me being an idiot was like, sure. Because again, I was like, everything that he had done just like went out of my brain. And all I was seeing was that he like physically harmed himself and tried to basically end his mm-hmm. life. Yeah. So the compassion. Yeah. And so again, like literally when I tell these stories, I'm just like, I'm like, wow, Jamie, like, how did you keep coming back? Oh, but you were always doing the best that you could at every time and every term because you were finding the compassion for him always. Yeah. And I think I, looking back on everything that happened, I think he really like preyed on that. And I think he used that. Like, I truly believe that him stabbing himself in the legs and taking pills was a manipulation factor to make me forget about the fact that he had broken into my apartment. Mm. And, you know, and I think he was just like, oh, yeah, she'll just focus more on the fact that, you know, I tried to end my life than me, like, basically breaking into her apartment. Right. And so, like I said, looking back on that, I'm like, okay, he definitely did that. Yeah. But so the 72 hours was up and I did go and pick him up. Um, But this is really where I started to distance myself from him because yeah, I was like, this is just not safe anymore. No, like, I don't no. like he didn't do anything to me this time. But 
maybe that was his intent. Maybe it wasn't, you know, I'll never know. So I pick him up and I was like, I was like, Hey, like, I'm, I'm definitely still here if you need something. I was like, but I don't, I just don't think we can hang out as much. I was like, you definitely no. need to give me my key back yes. immediately yes. because I don't at all feel safe, like with you having that. And so he did, or wink, wink, he did. Oh, dear God. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, change the lock. <gasps> yeah, I, sh- I should have. But again, <sighs> you don't know. This, was, this was somebody that, you know, I was really close to, like, of course. really good friends, trusted him. And, you know, yeah. that, that, was a whole, that was a whole other thing that plays into it is I trusted him exactly. and I was blindly trusting him a lot. So I was like, I'll still be here for you and blah, blah, blah. I was like, but I just, you know, I need a little bit of distance. I just don't, you know, this is a lot. You yeah. need to continue to get help. I was like, I really hope you get back in therapy, like get back on your meds because you do so well, so well when you're on that. And it was, yeah. for me, it was a classic case of holding on to what he could be oh. versus what he was. Yes. hmm I feel like that was like my biggest thing where I was always like, oh, but he can be so good. He can be. And then I would just like, oh, but he broke into my apartment, but he can be good. Right. Yeah. So definitely started to distance myself from him. And that wasn't that wasn't going over too well with him. So now at this point, this is probably like a month later so now we're coming into about april okay and i i used to do this thing it was called young life um it was just like a group yeah i don't know if you know what that is but it's just a group of people that like get together and you like mentor younger individuals and just a way for me to meet people get out of course yeah still trying to meet people because it's still my first year in arizona Mm -hmm. and i look behind me and i literally see him following me in a car like I see him behind oh my God and I call him and I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, nothing. I'm just like sitting at home. I was like, I see you. I literally see you yeah. behind me. Oh my he God, like, Jamie. He was like, that's not me. That's not me. I'm like, I see you. Like I'm looking at you with my own eyeballs. And then like he turned off the street and was like, nope, I've just been sitting at home. Have no idea what you're talking about. Oh my God. Absurd. So that happened. Then there would be times that I would come home from work and he would literally be hiding around corners. He would, so where I lived, my apartments, um, they're all outside. So yeah. you have to get to your apartment from the outside. Okay. And I lived on the second story. So sure. where I parked and where my apartment was, there was like this wall that was right before you'd walk up to my apartment. Okay. And you you literally can't see behind it until you're like next to it. Okay. And so he would just be like waiting there for me. And like, I wouldn't be able to get into my own apartment for like hours. Because oh my God, Jamie. Because he, I knew that if we went into my apartment, it was a lot worse than if we were outside. So I would just be trying to like calm him down. I'd be trying to like get him out of there. Half the time he wouldn't even have a car. So I don't even know how he kept getting because where he lived was like a 20, 30 minute drive, depending on sure, traffic. Sure, sure. So it's not just like 
you easy. walk or if you are walking, like that's a day journey. So unless yeah. he left in the morning to meet me once I got done with work, I don't know. It's very yeah. odd. Yeah. And so at this point, I'm like racking my brain. Like, I don't, I don't know what to do because yeah. he knows where I live. I don't, I don't know what to do, how to get rid of him. But I was also scared to completely cut him off Yeah, because he was showing to be pretty, pretty erratic at this point. Oh my God. And so the next like big thing that happened is I had went out with some friends and I had come home and on my deck. So there was like my deck area and then there was my door and there was this like storage closet area outside. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I never locked it because all I did was kept like moving boxes and you know, nothing that was worth stealing. So I didn't sure. really, yeah. you know, I didn't really care about it. Yeah. And so I came home from, from the bars and as I'm unlocking my door, no shit, he literally jumps out oh from my, my storage unit uh. and proceeds to start accusing me that I'm trying to have a party. And I'm visibly alone. Like, He's like, they're hiding. Like, I know they're coming. Like, I know you're having people over. You just didn't want to invite me. Like, going off. And I'm like, nobody's here. I was like, nobody's around. I'm 100% alone. Yeah. And what? I literally, like, screamed at him at the top of my lungs. And I was like, you need to get the fuck out of here before I call the cops. This yeah. is absolutely not okay. And so I quick, like, went into my apartment and I locked it. And I literally sat behind it for, like, probably a couple hours oh my god just Jamie. because i wasn't i wasn't too confident that he did not have my key still somehow yeah and so a copy or something Ugh, some, yeah yeah and the next morning i found needles in there so at this point he had started i'm assuming it was heroin because i i'm pretty sure that's the only thing you shoot up but there were literally needles in your knew, shed I knew um, heroin and meth were his like drug of choice when he used to do it. But now I was like, holy shit, he's obviously not on his medication. No. He's obviously not going to therapy. Mm -hmm. And now he's on drugs, like hardcore, illicit drugs that oh. do not mix with mental illness. Yeah. And so now I'm like, holy shit, what, like, what can I do here? I, I just wow. felt so stuck. Yeah. Yeah. And so I was really fed up. Uh, but again, I was like, I, I don't know what to do. Like, I don't even know who to tell. Will telling exactly. anybody like do anything like, I yeah, don't, oh I don't know. And so he, that night he did leave. He never came in. And then I hadn't like, he was texting me and stuff a lot, like always trying to come over. And now we came to um, Memorial Weekend. Okay. So we had a long weekend. And my friend was like, hey, let's go. Let's go up to Phoenix. Like, let's get out of here. Like, let's just go away. And I was like, oh, my God, thank God. Because yeah, new place. This, this individual, like, wasn't leaving me alone. Yeah. Yada, yada, yada. So we're going. And we couldn't have gotten more than... Oh no. Oh my 30 god. 30 minutes into our drive and I get a text message off of this individual's phone saying, "Is this Jamie?" question mark. And I was like, "What?" I was like, "Yeah, this is Jamie." 
And the person who had his phone was like, uh, just want to let you know, like, this individual, he, it was his brother who was supposedly texting me. And his brother was telling me that he had wrote a suicide note. He had disappeared. There was a portion about me in the suicide note. Like, oh my God, Jamie. Oh my God. And so now, even though I'm like pissed off and super annoyed with him, now I'm like, oh my God, like, he's trying to end his life. And like, oh, I know. So frustrating looking back at it. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, no, I don't know, like, where he is, yada, yada, yada. And his brother, or so I thought at the moment, was like, okay, well, if you hear anything, like, let me know. And I was like, yeah, you too, like, let me know if you find him. And so I decided to reach out to him on Facebook. I I don't know why I thought that was a good idea, because if his brother had his phone, like, maybe he's somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't know why I did, but I reached out on Facebook and I was like, Hey, I know there's a lot going on right now. I was like, but please don't do anything drastic. Like, you know, you do have people in your life that love and care about you. Like yeah. you, don't need, you don't need to do anything drastic. And then a little bit later, I got a message back being like, I'm okay. I'm with a friend. And I was like, okay, cool. And so yeah. I texted, I texted his brother. brother. Yeah. And was like, hey, he just responded to me. He said he's with a friend, but that's all I know. And okay. His brother was like, okay. So then I go to bed and I go on with the rest or I go on with the rest of my night. And then I go to bed and I like turn my phone off because me and my friend are going to go hiking early in the morning. And when I wake up, I have like all of these messages. And the last message I read says, we found him. And I was like, oh my what gosh. What does that mean? Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh my gosh, like what happened and then his brother proceeds to tell me that he had been beaten left on the side of the road a trucker found him and brought him into the hospital and i was like what like are you are you joking like what do you mean and he was like no he's he's in the hospital like he finally came conscious yada 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 and I was like, oh, my God, that is so terrible. Like, I can't believe this is happening. So then I messaged him on Facebook and I was like, oh, my gosh, I just heard what happened. I'm so sorry. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And he was just like, yeah, I don't know. These were like friends of mine and they they wanted to do drugs and then they stole my drugs and then they beat me and left me on the side of the road to die. And I was like, again, I was like, oh, my God, that's so terrible. I'm glad you're at the hospital. <sighs> Whatever. So then I get a text message from a random number that says, this is the San Diego Police Department. Um, We got a file about so-and-so being attacked. Um, We saw that you guys had had some contact, so we just want to see if you know anything. Sure. And so a police officer texting you, very odd. Yeah. But I was like, okay. Um, And they're like, you can call this number to talk more and I was like okay so I called it because I'm like oh my god like whatever I can do to help I don't have information yeah yeah. and so I called it and it was like it was like one of those like automatic things but it was like this is a google subscriber they are unavailable at the moment oh so a google voice number super weird and then the the officer is like we need to know your location because we need to come get a statement from you and I was like I was like, I have absolutely no problem cooperating, but I'm not telling you my location. There's no need for that. Yeah. 
And like, they just kept trying to get my location. And I was like, until you verify to me that you are actually the police, I will not be cooperating. No. And then they were like, we can get you basically trying to put charges on me for um, uh, not helping or sure, can't think sure, of what sure, sure, sure. right now. Yeah. They're like, yeah, this, you know, you can get in a lot of trouble for not cooperating with us. And I was like, I'm willing to cooperate. I was like, but you're not cooperating. Yep. And then I was like, whatever. So then I like stopped with that because I was like, this is like too much. So yeah, I stopped. Oh my God. I stopped responding. Then I get a picture. I had posted a Snapchat of me and my friend. And from this number that is still this cop, I get a picture of me and my friend being like, wow, you guys might want to watch your back. We know you're in Phoenix. And I was like, not a cop. This is not a cop. No, no. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, okay, this is obviously not a police officer. I was like, who is this? Like very confused how they got a picture of me from Snapchat. Like very alarming and eerie. And then they proceed to tell me that they are the people that basically kidnapped so-and-so beat him and threw him on the side of the road. And then, and that if I don't give them the account numbers that so-and-so stole, that they're coming after me, they're coming after my family, they're coming after my friend. And so now it becomes this whole like thing about him stealing account numbers to steal money. And that's why they did this. Literally the most absurd situation I've ever experienced. What? And then his brother is now also texting me like, we need to know where you are. You're not helping us. Like he's in critical condition. How dare you? So now all these people are trying to like find my location to find out where I am. And I finally am just like, fuck all of you. I don't care. This is fake. You're all fake. Like literally stop. Yeah. So again, I turn my phone off and I go on with the rest of my night. Because I'm trying to act normal while still have fun with my friend because sure. I'm trying not to freak her out. Because yeah. I'm like, oh, my God, if she knows that these psychopaths, because in my mind still, I I never thought it was a cop. But I was like, he he used to run with a sketchy crowd. Like, maybe he got back into drugs. He's hanging out with these people. So in my mind, I'm like, it's very possible that these people did, like, beat him. And so I'm scared because yeah. I'm like... What if, you know, he knows where I live? What if they find out where I live? Like, Right. They, so, yeah, anything. So I'm freaking out a little bit. But finally, I was just like, this is absurd. Like, yeah. this is the most absurd thing I've ever experienced. And I'm over it. It is what it is. And I guess we'll see what happens. And so, again, I turn my phone off. And in the morning, I have, like, so many text messages missed calls him being like i can't believe you would abandon me in my time of need like i was brutally beaten i could have died like i can't believe you didn't care blah 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 going off on me and so i finally was just like i don't give a shit anymore i was at the point where if my phone was on it was constantly buzzing because i was constantly i was getting separated phone calls Facebook messages, Facebook me- emails. I was getting emails God, like everywhere. Yeah, like there was a long time after this all happened that phone dinging, like just like stress. Freaking, of course, yeah. And so finally, I was like, I don't care. I was like, you are out of my life. Never talk to me again. Yeah. And I blocked, I blocked his phone number because I was like, there's, there's no way. Yeah. And so I was like, this is over and done with. Like, 
whoo, like you're out of my life. Yeah. But I still was kind of like, is he out of my life? I don't really know. Because then he started like reaching out to my mom being like, oh, I need to talk oh, to my- Jamie. And it was crazy. And so I, like a couple weeks prior, had met this other guy um, and we became good friends. And we were supposed to hang out when I got back. And as I mentioned before, I lived alone. So I like reached out to him because we were planning on hanging out. <laughs> he was like, are we still on for tonight? And I was like, I don't want this to sound ridiculous. I was like, but I have somebody in my life who's being pretty sketchy right now. I was like, is it cool if I maybe stay with you for a couple days? Yeah. And, and he was like, it was, he was like a big military guy and he had like dogs. Sure, and sure, so like, I was just like, feel safe. Like, probably yeah. has, you know, I saw a couple guns in the house, but I was like, I bet there's a lot of guns in the house. Like just felt like really safe. He also had another buddy staying with him. And I was like, okay, like, that just seems safe to me. Support because, numbers, yeah. Yeah, because this individual did not yes. know who this person was. And, like, he knew who my other friends were. He didn't necessarily know exactly where they live. But yeah, I, also still. Was like, I also was like, I don't want to put any of my other friends, like, in danger. Because, of obviously. This and, is a serious threat. Yeah. So we... We get back and the friend that I had gone with, I asked her, I was like, hey, I was like, do you mind if I just spend the night with you tonight? Like, I, I don't really feel comfortable, like going to my apartment. And she was like, yeah, of course, like, not, no worries. We work together. So she's like, that's fine. We can just yeah. go to work tomorrow. And then, you know, you can come get your car and do what you need to do. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, cool. So the next day rolls around, we like go to work. And I had left my car at her house. So my game plan was, is we were going to drive back to her house. I was going to get my car. I was going to pack a bag and I was going to dip out and go stay with my other friend. Luckily, I had planned to go home um, for the summer. So I have a dog and luckily um, I had already taken her home. So she was with my parents. Sure. Because not putting past that she might not be here today if Mm. she would have been there. Mm. so I I get my I get my car and I go to my apartment and I I like drove around my apartment complex a couple of times just because I I knew that of course yeah been a little sneaky sneak at times and I was like this is not the day like not the day and so I did that I didn't see him I parked in my spot and I probably waited there for like five or so minutes just to just yeah. to see if, like, anything Of course crazy. you saw anything, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't see anything, so I was like, okay, I'm just, this is going to be quick. I'm going to in and out, like, let's make this as fast as possible. So I go, I walk up my stairs to get to my door, and I, like, check the screen and the door and just to make sure it doesn't look like it had been messed with at all. And then I, I did start locking my outside storage, but I just double-checked that as well. And yeah. then I, like... I looked over again just to make sure that he wasn't trying to like sneak up on me as I was getting into my apartment. So I get into my apartment and logically in my brain, I was like, okay, the best thing to do here is to lock my door because if he's going to come, he's going to be outside my apartment. So I locked my door and I put my stuff down and my, my apartment was small. Like the living room kitchen was an area. There was a door then it was my bathroom, my closet, and my bedroom. Yeah. And um, so I get in there and I like look in the bathroom. I always leave the shower curtain open because sure, that sure, always, sure, sure, yes, yes, always has scared me. And Psycho. So that yeah. was 
yeah, that was open. I went into my closet because it was like a walk-in closet. I like moved my clothes around. I didn't see anything. Just checking, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then when I my bed was in the middle of my room, so there was like an empty space on the far side. And so when I got to the edge of my bed, a man jumped up wearing a Spider-Man mask, grabbed me by my throat, and threw me onto my bed and put a knife to my neck. And oh my, yeah. And immediately, immediately, I knew it was him. Not a doubt in my mind. Like, I knew it was him. Oh, my God. I'm screaming. Yes. Yes. It just startled the shit out of me. And he's like, shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. And I did because I have a knife to my neck. Like, not going to disobey you on that one. And so he then, like, removes his hand from my throat, but he still has the knife, and he takes the mask off, and it's obviously him. Yeah. Which, obviously. And so then he goes from, like, choking me out with the knife to my neck to standing by the door. So there was a legit door that closed from where I was to the living room. Okay. And he would go from, like, like standing in front of that to choking me out with the knife to me telling me like I'm not gonna throw him away like a piece of trash like how dare I just like cut him out of my life like just going off with everything he's going from like extreme rage to like crying by the door like back and forth back and forth and so in my mind I'm just like I just need to get this knife out of his hand because I don't I don't know if his goal right now is to kill me. I was like, but maybe he like accidentally like stabs me. I was like, I just need this knife out of his hand. So I was just like talking to him and I was like, I was like, I did not mean to throw you away. I was like, this was just like a lot for me. I was like, I didn't, I didn't know how to handle it. Like, I'm so sorry. Yeah. Like just whatever he wanted to hear. And so he finally did like put the knife down. And then he would be calm for a little bit and like we could just talk, but then he would like get pissed and like come back and like choke me out. Yeah. And so he, it's just like going back and forth and back and forth. And I'm like, okay, what can I do to like calm the situation down? I was like, I was like, Hey, like, you know, we can definitely still be friends. Like, let me give you a massage. Let's just calm down. Like, let's just take a chill. Sure, 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 sure. And then he like thought about it for a second. Um, and he was like, no, no, I'm not going to do that. And like got super pissed off again. And then my phone, which was in the kitchen in my purse on my floor in the kitchen, okay. it started, it started to ring. And I was like, Your friend, I was like, I need, I need to answer that phone. Like, that's what I need to do. And I was like, was like, Hey, I was like, at this point, my mom knew a little bit about what was going on. And I, I didn't know if it was her, but I was just like, yeah I, was yeah. Like, I bet that's my mom I was like if you don't let me answer that phone call like She'll she knows I'm coming here to get my stuff and leave I was like she's gonna call the cops yes she is yeah and he just like stopped stared at me and said good <gasps> she does oh my I'm god sta- I'm stabbing you and then I'm killing myself and I was like okay <laughs> this is a new lair I was like, okay, so that might not be the best option. And he's like, yeah, it's the only way this can end. And then he just was going into how it was going to be a long night, how I wasn't going anywhere. And then he like reaches 
in between like the box spring and my mattress and he pulls out zip ties and he's like, you need to roll over because I'm zip tying your hands behind your back. And in my mind, I'm like, holy shit, I have to get out two doors. One of them is locked. I'm, I'm royally fucked if he zip ties my hands. Like, I don't, I don't know how I'm going to get out. Oh my God, Jamie, this is insane. (laughs) Yeah. I sometimes feel like it's. I'm telling somebody else's story. Yeah. Very, it's odd. Of course. And so um, I'm just like, okay, this can't happen. Like, I'm royally fucked if he does that. And I was like, I was like, I'm not fighting you. Like, you don't need to do this. Like, I'm not going anywhere. Like, I'm talking to you. I'm not fighting you. Like, this doesn't need to happen. And he's like, no, this is going to happen. And then my phone rings again. And I was like, not trying to sound too desperate because I didn't want him to like realize like how much I wanted this phone. Yeah. But I was like, I was like, let me just answer it. I was like, you can hold the phone. You can hear everything that I'm saying. I was like, let me just tell my mom that I'm good and that I'm okay. And then this will all go away. And then we can have as much time as you need to figure stuff out. But let, let me just tell her that I'm okay. And so the phone is like ringing and ringing and I'm like, oh shit, I'm like, oh my God, please, please. And finally he's like, okay. So he goes to open the door and as he's bending down to grab my phone, I book it. I literally run out of my bedroom. I run to the door. I'm like fumbling with the lock. This was the only time I was grateful I didn't have a deadbolt or something because that would have been like something extra I had to get through. finally get the door open as i'm like stepping out of the door he grabs my shoulder like no (laughs) to pull me back in and i shrug i've never shrugged somebody off so hard in my life like every ounce of my power all five foot five of me like shrugged him off and i there was probably about like 15 stairs you had to get through I ran and jumped like I didn't even walk down those stairs. I literally jumped. And luckily, one of my really good friends was actually my wall neighbor. He lived on the building behind me and our walls were connected. So I literally ran around and I ran up to his and I was just banging, frantically banging. And nobody was answering. Nobody was answering. Oh, no. And then I see so-and-so like run around oh, and no. I see him like looking, looking for me. For you, and so yeah. I'm like as small up against the door as I could be while still yeah. like, knocking on the door. Right. Finally, finally he answers, but he has a huge butcher knife in his hand, which I don't blame him. Not because a, yeah. I don't blame him. I, because I was like, it was frantic. Like I would have been scared if something. Yeah. Like who the hell is, yeah, my door. Yeah. And like that, that knife in my face did not even face me. I was just like, so thankful that he opened the door. Cause obviously yes. he saw it was me. He put the knife away immediately. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, And he was like, oh my God. He was like, what is going on? Like so frazzled. I found out that he had been listening to music with his headphones on in his bedroom. Sure. And that's why he didn't he wasn't answering. Yeah. At first. Yeah. Yeah. And so I was just like, so-and-so is in my apartment. Yeah. I, and I was just like rambling and he, so then he called the police and then the police came and they like interviewed me and all of that. And then while we were sitting there, the cop was like, is your car still here? And I was like, I have no idea. 
And my neighbor was like, I'll go look. Is it parked where you normally park it? And I was like, yeah, it is. And so he goes and looks. And when he comes back, we had found out that so-and-so had stole my car and fled into Mexico to evade the whole situation. What? Yes. So he was in Mexico, but before we knew he was in Oh, we just knew he was like driving around. They were trying to find him. And then the the officers, after they did all the questions with me, they take me into my apartment where there's like fingerprint dust. There's like cops in and out. Like I got interviewed again to go over the same thing. And they bring well, me yeah. into my, they bring me into my bedroom and they lift up my mattress. And where I said earlier, he pulled the zip ties out. There were zip ties. There were condoms. And there were like other, there was like sex paddles, like other miscellaneous, like sex toys hidden in there. So I didn't put them there. So that only tells me that he really did have a long night in store for me had I not escaped the situation. Oh my God. Yes. And that was... Like I said, back in 2018. So that was almost four years ago. And he, he literally was sitting in county jail. He hid in Mexico for probably like three-ish months. Okay. Where he would still like try to send me emails and like different stuff. And finally I had to like delete that email account and all this, which I wish I wouldn't have because there was a lot of evidence in there. Uh, yeah. But I just, it was, again, it was the constant, like, every time my phone would ding, like, pure anxiety and stress. Of course, and so I, of course. Yeah, yeah. So I highly recommend anyone who's listening, if you're in a situation or you know somebody that's in a situation, do not delete anything yeah. at all or take, like, do something to save it because you might need it later. Um, And I tried to get it all recovered, like, you know, when I went into the police. Sure, but sure. It was, there was, it was gone. It, yeah, yeah, it was all gone. And so finally, this case, literally everything got put to rest last month. Oh, my Jamie. Oh, my God. This is still so fresh. Yeah. So not only did this happen four years ago, but I literally have been going through the court system for pretty much. It was like three and a half years. We the last thing was finally the restitution hearing, because what people don't know is when you are the victim of a crime it's actually very expensive because there's a lot of stuff like for me I had to rent a car for two weeks I had to break my lease on my apartment I had to buy an alarm system where that you have to have a three-year thing I had to have moving expenses u-hauls hotels like all in all it ended up costing me around nine thousand dollars to do everything everything yeah Luckily, the restitution, like that was the final thing, but that literally just happened, like I said, a month ago. Wow. And he had just been sitting in jail where now he finally got transported to prison. Um, So he's literally in prison. But at this point, he got sentenced to like four and a half years because <gasps> he took he took a plea and the plea ended up being um, a theft of a vehicle and attempted aggravated domestic violence, attempted kidnapping. Uh, excuse me. Yeah, I know. I it's one of those things that I'm like, I don't know how this was attempted. Like, I don't know how you can attempt to kidnap somebody like you do or you don't. Right. So, yeah. So he got like four and a half years. But at this point, because of time served and, you know, if he's a model, 
model jail person, which he probably will be because he's unfortunately really smart. So that's like he and he's been in and out of the justice system. So he knows how to work every single angle. So he worked every angle to stay in jail versus prison as long as he possibly could. But yeah, it was just it was a crazy situation. And yeah, that's why I said there's so many times where I look back and I'm like, should have been done this point, should have been done here. And, you know. But at the same time, you were all, I mean, you were trained as a clinician to see the beauty and potential in all people that are struggling. Yeah. Yeah. One thing I can definitely say that this has taught me is sometimes I am a too forgiving a person where I'm somebody that like, if we talk about it, let's yeah. move on. And so this is something that's for me that it's, you should still be forgiving, but I sometimes was too forgiving of people's actions. And by being so forgiving of the many things that he did, you know, it landed me in this. Yeah. I don't, bl- I don't blame myself at all for this because there's just nothing you can do to make somebody do this to you. Like this was a hundred percent his actions. I think one of the things that I really had to get over is he truly does not think that he did what he did. He claims that he is innocent and the prosecutor, um, I didn't have a lawyer, obviously, because I didn't do anything wrong, but the prosecutor was basically like my lawyer. Like she was amazing. She literally like was on my side the whole time, but she was like, unfortunately, when people do very violent crimes, a lot of the times they don't want to admit that they actually did this. So his story that he came up with was that this was a sex game gone wrong and we had planned this whole thing. (gasps) So that was his story that he stuck with. And how invalidating is that to all of your experience? Yeah. And it's like, I... I know what happened and I know that he, I know he's sitting in jail right now blaming me for this and being like, she did this to me. Like, I can't believe it. Like, I know he's doing that and I know that he'll never own up to this, but I'm okay with that because I don't need him to tell me that he did this to know that he did it. Right. You know your own experience and you know what happened. Yeah. And it's like, if this was a sex game gone wrong. Why would you steal my car and flee and flee yeah. to Mexico? Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's Exactly. Yeah, his it was just it was a insane situation. And wow. so leading back to my podcast, that is why I started. Yeah. I'm not mentally ill, but just to kind of give the supporters or people who have had or had somebody in their life with a mental illness just kind of a space to share their experience. Yes. Because I I do feel like a lot of the times it's, I don't want to take away from people who have a mental illness at all, because that is, that is a very hard thing to deal with day in and day out. But I do kind of feel like the supporters get like shushed to the side. And it's Mm. like, you go through a lot. Like I didn't have bipolar, but I experienced bipolar, Yes, you know? So it's just like, that's kind of why I feel like it was important to kind of start giving people a voice because mm-hmm. it's very isolating. Like it, oh, it, yeah, it was embarrassing to like tell people what all went on because people look at you and they're like, how the heck did you like deal with all of that? Like, sure. and it's true. Like I completely understand why people feel that way, but they get 
it's like a friend or a loved one. It's hard to. Of course, you hard. want to see the best in them always, yeah. right? Always mm-hmm. seeing how can we help people. And I'm just, my heart is so torn for you that, yeah, you're trained as a clinician to see that and to believe I know how to help people. Here's someone who's really, really hurting. Of course, me, the person who's trained in how to help these people, could handle this situation. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I think there's a reason why therapists are not friends with their clients because <laughs> you're too close. You're too close to the situation. Yeah. Oh, and my heart goes out to you for all the times that you've felt like you were probably losing your mind, mm-hmm. checking every corner, checking behind this, checking behind that. And every single time, though, your worst fear was confirmed repeatedly. Mm hmm. Yeah, it, it's a very weird feeling to feel unsafe in your own home. Yeah. Because that is where you're supposed to feel the safest. Yeah. Even when I even when I moved and I when I would like have panic attacks coming home. Yes. I would I wanted something that was very important to me is I did go home for the summer and I stayed with my parents for a little bit. But then my plan was to be in Yuma for two years to kind of get, you know, a job under my belt. <sighs> yeah. And I was like, I was like, he's not going to take this away from me. I was like, I'm not running home. I'm, I was like, it was super important to me to not let him enter any course of my life. And my plan also, yeah. And my plan also was to live alone again. Originally, I was going to stay in that apartment for two years because, you know, it was fine. Nothing glamorous, but it was fine. Moving sucks. So I was going to stay there. But I just, I literally couldn't, like, I, I, I couldn't be home. Like it was insane. So when I came back, I moved into a different apartment and I, I literally had to be on the phone with somebody when I would go into my house. I had to literally look in every single nook Mm -hmm. and cranny, even after he finally, his dad finally made him like surrender because he was when he was hiding out in Mexico he has family there so he was living on their farm for a little bit Uh. and his dad finally was like you need to turn yourself in and even when he was in jail even though he's been in jail I I still had to do it I had to look in closets and it was just like going into my apartment or hearing a noise like hearing a noise and me not knowing where that noise was coming from. Like, I can't tell you how many times I ran out of my apartment and just was outside for like, of course, for a while. Cause I was like, I, I can't even know <laughs> what that yeah. because again and again, every single time you were worried, you were right. Mm-hmm. It was right to be afraid. Yeah. Oh, and so your body gets conditioned to that level of fear and trauma mm-hmm. response and tension after mm-hmm. so many trials of conditioning, yeah, of course you're going to be reacting like that all the time. Yeah. And like, I still, I still like suffer from neck problems uh, and yeah. it's, it's very interesting. Like whenever, whenever court would come up and I would have to see him, my neck would be yeah. in like excruciating pain. And mm. then, so it's true. Trauma is hundred percent actually stored in your body it's not just stored in your brain of course because that second when he said I, you know i'm gonna kill you and i'm gonna kill myself and you had to bolt for the door and you yanked that you know his hand off of you all of that is in your body that level of serious serious fear for your safety yeah that yeah. was in there and that's what allowed you to rip that off right that level of intensity and safety mm-hmm. oh god jamie 
it was wild, but we're doing fabulous now. So that's good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's such a journey. Oh my God. And I mean, I'm, I'm holding space too for the fact that you said earlier that even telling this story doesn't feel like it's your story. It's like mm-hmm. someone else's, like a movie. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's absurd. Like I, I think part of the, when I tell my story, it feels like it's coming from somebody else. I do think that's my body trying to like protect myself because it's trying to like disassociate myself from what's Mm -hmm. happened. So Mm -hmm. that, that is something that I still like work on because I don't want to keep distancing myself because if I don't, you know, close that gap, it's just going to keep always being like that lingering thing. And I mean, it's been a journey of four years, so I've definitely done regular counseling, EDMR, Uh, which did really wonders for specifically people who have PTSD. mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. But it's, it's been a journey, but uh, it's definitely something that from the get go, I was like, this is not going to alter my life in a negative way. And I will stand by that. (sighs) Yeah. Wow. I really appreciate you sharing that, that, I mean, it's so much, is there anything you ever do to like ground yourself back? into the I'm with when I when I tell my own trauma I know that it it frequently makes me feel not present Mm -hmm. yeah you know that's probably something that I should be better about honestly Mm. I feel like I I really just try to like not think about it too much honestly like I have my moments where I like dive into like different feelings about it but I would say for the most part I just try to you know, not have it be a constant thing on my brain. But yeah, I do, yeah. I I love guided meditation. So there sure. are days where I'm just like, my mind is like trauma, 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 like yeah, spiraling. Yeah. And then a lot of the times I'll do like deep breathing or guided meditations just to help, you know, center myself and get my brain off of that spiral of trauma thinking that you can go down. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And like, that can be so helpful. And I know like when you're telling the story, even like telling it to me, right. And when I share my trauma to other people, part of that process is trying to remember that event, remember what we were feeling and then be able to share it to another human. And so I think it makes so much sense that when we're telling our story, we're trying to reconnect with those emotions and in doing so it can be really, really painful. And so, yeah, trying to sit even that right now, like the two of us right now, right. Of like all this trauma that was shared together and how can we, come back to a breath I mean that is Mm -hmm. so much oh my heart goes out to you yeah well thank you it's you know I just I think there is power in sharing your story though because there's always going to be somebody that is like oh my god either a this has happened to me or b oh my god what's happened to me actually isn't normal and shouldn't be happening to me yeah 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 Mm -hmm. and it takes so much vulnerability for you to share that and I am just I'm so in awe of you and your fire and your will to say, this is not going to stop me and I'm going to keep moving forward in a positive direction. Well, thank you. Yeah. Yes. You've experienced so much and not everyone takes it with that level of, no, I Mm -hmm. am going to make my own meaning of this and I'm going to stand and go in my own direction. I will not let this stop me. Yeah. Yeah. Because I just feel like you know, to each their own. But for me personally, I just feel like if I were to allow this to impact my life, then I'm still allowing him to be doing negative things to me. And I just refuse to allow him to do anything more 
then he is yeah, already dead. Yeah, he does not have power over you at all. No. Ugh. Is there anything that you feel like – I know we talked about so much. I always like to hold a little bit of space at the end that you feel like maybe you really wanted to share or say to the listeners that maybe you didn't hit during this time. I don't think so. I think you just, you know, if something traumatic does happen to you, you got to find out what works for you. For yeah. me, diving head in and continuing to live alone was the best thing I could have mm -hmm. ever done. Mm -hmm. That won't be the case for everybody. But I just really would say find what actually works for you and dive in and don't yeah. don't do it. Be unapologetic and just dive in and do what you need to do to make sure that you're okay. Yeah, to keep that boundary of self-care and protection for yourself after something so difficult that came at you. Mm -hmm. mm. Yeah, yeah. And, and I just really like, I've always been one to be like, what can I learn from this? Yes. What what good can come out of this? Because mm -hmm. even though a situation may seem like the worst thing in the world to happen you into the moment, yeah. I truly believe that there is always something positive that yes. can come out of something negative. And for me, it taught me that my boundaries actually weren't that clear. And I was mm. allowing I was allowing people to do stuff that I say I would be like, no, once this happens, I'm done. But then it would yeah. always be like, oh, this happened because of this. And like, I would always justify. And then my mm. boundaries just kept getting pushed back. And now I am, I don't want to say I'm a bitch about my boundaries, but like, if it's a boundary, I, because of everything I've gone through, I'm like, you cross that boundary, we're done. You can say that. I'm a <laughs> bitch about my boundaries. Fuck yeah. 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 Because who else is going to do that, right? Like, we have to do that for ourselves. Yeah. That's one of the hardest things about being a human is we can put that responsibility onto other people. At the end of the day, like, no one's going to do it but us. Mm -hmm. And so – Yeah. Yeah, right? I mean, this is not – you would never wish this on anybody to have this experience. But what truth now do you have to be able to speak about boundaries? And you have such profound wisdom – having gone through this and come mm -hmm. out to where you're at now. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. There is one question I want to ask and I ask everyone on the podcast. It is, what is one thing that you wish other people knew was more normal? Honestly, I just have to say the amount of people that have somebody in their life with a mental illness. Yeah. Like it's, yeah. I I would bet to say that most people either have a close personal somebody or they have an acquaintance or they know yeah. somebody that knows somebody. Mm -hmm. But I think people don't realize how common it is to have somebody in your life that is struggling with a mental illness. Yes. Yes. And so in that you are not alone. Mm-hmm. And that's why something like your podcast can be such a great resource for people who want more community about what it's like, the ups, the downs, the struggles, the joys, like all of the pieces that is or that are being around someone with a mental illness. Yes. Yeah. And just there's no shame in it. Like there's yeah. no shame in needing extra help. There's no shame in being able to say that you can't handle something like that's normal nobody can handle everything yeah exactly exactly yes that is so wise too that yeah it is never all on you to save another human ever exactly and that's also something I learned because I was trying to save him from himself and 
you can't change anybody else ever. Right. Even as clinicians, like we cannot save people. At the end of the day, we're there to support them and they have to choose themselves. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. Well, I really, really loved having you on the podcast. You just shared so much that I just really appreciate your open and honesty. And that was, wow, yeah, quite the story you have and so much wisdom from it. Yeah, there's a lot to it, but I feel like you kind of got to get the whole, the whole dude. Yeah, 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 exactly. No, it was worth every single piece. God, yeah, that was crazy. One day I think you need to make a movie if that's ever, you know, on your horizons, but you've got a quality plot line. You'll see me on Lifetime. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, one of those late night Netflix documentaries. Yes. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Is there anywhere? Yeah. So your podcast, where would you want to plug your Instagram, anything so that if people want to learn more about your resources and you, mm-hmm. how can they find you? Yeah, so my podcast is on Spotify, and then I also have an Instagram page. It's the other side underscore mi, and so you can definitely check out that. I have a link tree that has my podcast right in there, so Instagram's probably the best. Yes, awesome. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate everything you shared today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. If you enjoyed today's episode, then leave us a five star review wherever you listen to your podcast. And if you're a part of the anarchist community, then follow us on Instagram or nominate a guest for the show by sending in a letter to modernanarchypodcast at gmail.com. Otherwise, I'll see you next week.